Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. So Pastor Christy is sick, and so and she was going to do the announcements, and I totally forgot to release children. Um, unfortunately, all of the children's people are sick besides the nursery <laughs> and uh, preschool. Preschool, uh, yeah, the preschool. So if you're in preschool, uh, preschool is open, um, you can go down. But I'm sorry, but we're actually going to keep the children in with us today uh, because, uh, yeah, everybody's been sick. And so we've had to kind of reshuffle what we're doing this morning. Um, actually, I'm sorry, I have an opening story. And I'll, I'll share my opening story later. But it's about the... Uh, women who run the church, <laughs> and uh, and this morning we've we mentioned Rebecca is out and Pastor Christie is out, and boy, everything was so hard to get together. <laughs> Nobody kept this organized. Um, I, I do really do feel like, uh, yeah, it, it it's kind of crazy. It's it's kind of crazy um, how how well. Um, and how gifted uh, women are, and how much we rely on them, um, even if uh, they don't always give them credit. So let me let me say a prayer because honestly, like I was so frazzled trying to get everything together this morning because uh, Pastor Christie wasn't. I actually texted Alex. I was like, Alex, I need you here. <laughs> like, and he was in the back room, but like, I just didn't know he was here because like things were trying to get done, and uh, <laughs> um, and so I my my spirit is unsettled within me. So I, I just want to pray for a moment of peace, uh, right, for the, for the Holy Spirit to come and uh, for, to, to feel his presence. Lord, Lord, we trust you. We trust you even when we don't know how to. Because we know that, that, that every, every good thing comes from you, God. And that all that we're doing here, Lord, um, is a result of your love for us and our love for you. And so, Lord, I pray uh, that we be honoring to you. That we open ourselves to your presence that we receive what we are meant to receive, Lord. Uh, from, from, from me up here in the pulpit, from, to the, to the little, little guys downstairs. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so, uh, I grew up, well, I didn't grow up, but as a teenager after I came to faith, um, in the little Baptist church down the road, um, and I talk about it a lot, but every summer, uh, they put on a VBS and it was a huge affair. It was a huge VBS and hundreds of kids from the community would turn out and, and many of the members, they take time off of work so they can volunteer there, um, and planning and coordinating and directing it all was a huge task, a huge task. And in the middle of all of that, 
was Miss Joan. <laughs> and and Miss Joan was the pastor's wife. Um, and, and she did not have any formal title besides, you know, the pastor's wife. Uh, but if you, and if you ever called her a pastor or said she was a minister, she just kind of doing this, you know, things. And um, even if you said that she was in charge, she'd kind of do a scoff. Um, but she's the one that organized all the volunteers. She assigned the classes. She handed out the job. She coordinated breaks. She made sure everything was under budget. She'd give her opinion on the curriculum. And, and she'd have no problem going up to a group of men and saying, this is your job, this is your job, this is your job, this is your job, and sending them all out to go do it. Um, and she'd tell them, and if anybody gave her any guff, she'd tell them why they had to do that job and not another job. Um, but she would never, ever say that she was leading them. Um, she was just helping out in VBS. <laughs> and, uh, or she'd be helping out in Sunday school. Or she'd be helping out with the Christmas program. Or she'd be helping out with the Thanksgiving, special Thanksgiving service. Or this, or that, or any number of things. Um, now, I, I've, I've been, a, been a Christian now for 30-something for years, and I've seen the same thing over and over again. In almost every congregation, there are really one or two people that run the church. Um, and, and I'm not talking necessarily the sermons or sermon series, but like all the decisions around the church, like what can be done, uh, when can things be done, who should do what, what things should look like, what things should not look like, right? And, and almost all the time, these people are women. Um, they're almost, I, I don't know, I don't care what congregation it is. I'm not saying... It's always, but I've never been to one where it hasn't been. Um, there's not been a, like a woman or two that are just kind of running the show behind the scenes, um, even if they do not believe in women in ministry. Um, but they're the ones that really run this church. And, and, and part of me, I, I have to ask, is this the best that we can do? Is this the best the church can do? Does this really allow uh, women to flourish in our church? And I, and I don't say that um, to denigrate uh, Miss Joan and all the other Miss Jones um, at all the other churches that do all the all the work, um, and but for some reason don't have a formalized leadership role within their congregation. I mean, they're still they're still serving and they're doing what God's called them to do um, as well as they can within the churches they belong. So God bless those saints that follow their convictions. Um. So as, as much as I support and affirm those women, and I don't want to, like, diminish them at all and their accomplishments, I am sincerely convinced that the Holy Spirit's and all the spiritual giftings belong to the whole church or the whole church. Um, I mean, and that's the point of view of the covenant church, this, this, this denomination, this church, this family of churches that we belong to. Um, we fully support women in all levels of ministry. Uh, we're, we're in our second in a short three-part study of women in ministry. And, and normally, I, I, I try to make sure that every message stands well on its own. But um, since this is a three-part study, this is really a study. It's not, not as, as much of a traditional sermon. Um, I would encourage you, if you missed part one, go back and listen to part one. Um, you can find it like an app, you know, in your app stores, um, whatever podcast apps you used or the church website, or you can go back to Facebook and you can watch last week's message. 
Um, and last week, uh, I focused just as an introduction and on the Old Testament. I went through the creation accounts in Genesis to explain how all people were created in the image of God and for the same purpose without hierarchy. Uh, women were not part of the creation that men were called to have dominion over, right? Uh, women were created as equal partners to participate in the stewardship and dominion over God's creation. And then I briefly went over how God used women throughout the history of Israel. Um, today, I want to do the same thing in the New Testament. And it's hard to know where to start. It's hard to know where to start. Do you start with Mary, right? Mother of God. Um, you know, blessed above all women. And from her virgin womb, God calls forth new life, right? In a theological sense, Mary's body reflects creation in Genesis where, God, where something is created out of nothing because, anyways, it's getting theological. But that's Mary. Or do we start with uh, Jesus' earthly miracle, right? Which is providing wine at a celebration of marriage, um, which, you know, is a callback to Genesis, right? When men and women are created. And it also inaugurates his new kingdom. And so th there's a lot you can do there. And so I wrestled with that. But, but I decided I wanted to start with the story of Jesus being asked a question. And um, this is part of the Gospel of Matthew, where the Pharisees and the Sadducees are trying to trick Jesus into accidentally saying something that get him in trouble. And so they asked him questions that touched on politics and religion and culture, hoping that Jesus' answers would condemn him. And uh, so the Sadducees, they asked Jesus a question about marriage and about the resurrection of the dead, you know, about the afterlife. And by the way, the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection, so they were just trying to trap Jesus into saying something wrong. But they're referring to um, this little part in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 25. Um, and there's part of the law that said that if a married man died and he didn't have any kids, then the man's brother would have to marry his brother's widow and then raise those kids. Um, and that might seem weird to us, but it was a way of making sure that the land stayed within the family, um, that it was assigned, and it's a way to provide for widows. Um, so it's kind of like a social safety net. So that's just the kind of the context. So let's just go ahead and start reading this question. And this is in Matthew 22, starting at verse 23. The same day the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for him. Now there are seven brothers among us. The first one married and died, and since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second and the third brother, right on down to the seventh. And finally the woman died. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven, since all of them were married to her? Uh, this question is interesting, because it's really, the question is, to who does this woman belong? Right? Who, who does this woman belong to? Which husband would she belong to? The first husband, or the second husband, or the third husband, or the fourth husband, or the fifth husband? And, and that was, so that was the question that the Sadducees developed to trap Jesus. But Jesus' response reveals a lot about our spiritual identity. So, Matthew, uh, we're on verse 29 now. Still chapter 22. Jesus replied, You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read 
what God said to you. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is the God. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Uh, now, you might be thinking, um, what does this have to do with women in ministry? <laughs> um, and I just really wanted to point out what Jesus said about people. In the new creation, there is no marriage. A marriage is for this stage of existence, right? It's a good thing um, if you're married. It's a good thing if you're single, but it's for now, not for the next. Our marriages do not carry over. Um, and in the future, like, we will not get married again. You know, oh, new creation, we're not going to get married again. Marriage is for this life. Um, sex, both procreation and gender, is for this stage of existence. In the new creation, our gender does not mark our identity in the same way. In, 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 a, weird, in a different way, our identity is, is bound with our creator. Right? The, the question in the new creation is, are we a child of God? Do we belong to God? Because in Christ, the old ways of marking difference and identity no longer hold sway. Okay? Those, they no longer hold sway. That's what it means in Galatians 3, 26-28. So in Christ, you are all children of God through faith. For, you have, for all you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ. In Christ, there is a new way of interacting with these identities. Okay? Gentiles did not suddenly become Jews. Slaves' legal statuses didn't automatically change, although you know, we can see kind of the movement towards freedom. Women didn't automatically become men when they became Christian. But those are no longer, those things are no longer the defining markers of our identity. Christ marks our identity. Christ marks our identity. And if Christ marks a believer's identity, then it's not a person's gender that qualifies them for leadership. It's the gifting of the Spirit. And that Spirit pours out on both men and women. And we read that about that in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit being poured out on women and men in accordance to the prophet Joel's words in uh, Joel chapter 2. And afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. That spirit, that spirit is for all people. And the gifts, the spiritual gifts, they are for all people. And, and so it seems to be, if we say that women cannot lead, what we're really saying is because of biology, God withholds certain parts of the Holy Spirit from certain types of people for certain reasons? I don't know. And I just don't see that. The gifts of the church, teaching, preaching, leading, organizing, administration helps whatever you want to lump that category are not just natural talents, at least according to the church. It's not to say that people can't be naturally talented, but in the context of the church and Christians, Believers are given gifts by the Holy Spirit in order to build up the saints and God's purposes on earth. And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We can spend a whole lot of time there. Um, but throughout the history of church, women and men have been exercising their gifts, either out in the open 
or through subtle means like Miss jo the Miss Jones, right? They're still exercising their gifts. They're just doing it in secret. <laughs> they're kind of bypassing. They're trying to find the loopholes. And I don't even know they're consciously. They're just working within the frameworks that they have. But the gifts are for everybody. And we all need to learn how to receive them. And, and that is, that is my, my, my New Testament argument. That's where I want to really hone in on. It's for everybody. And we can say like this. I didn't believe that women... Okay, it's not that when, as a new believer, I mentioned this last week, I never thought about it because I'm a guy. I never thought about women in leadership. <laughs> I didn't have to. Um, but it wasn't until I started getting taught about it that I had to start thinking about it. What do I think about this? And, you know, I had to start thinking, well, wait, where are the women? Where are the women in scripture um, that are exercising these gifts? Okay, so I say that women can do this. They're qualified. I made the theological argument. But where are they actually in scripture? And it's the same thing as before. Unless you know that you should be looking for them, you're not going to see them. Because they're all over the place. They are all over the Gospels. They're spreading the news of Jesus. There are women mentioned in Acts, or sorry, in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. There's Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Susanna. And there's, and generic others. They didn't say who the others, but those three are named. And they traveled with Jesus and the disciples. Right? And they funded his ministry. <laughs> they're the ones that actually paid for things. Okay, and there are women that are counted as his disciples in Matthew chapter 12 when Jesus points to his disciples and calls them his mothers and his brothers. You know, he wasn't just pointing to the dudes. There's my mom, you know? No, he's calling to the mothers. And there's Mary and Martha who called Jesus their teacher, their rabbi, okay? Which is very controversial. There's this Samaritan woman at the well who the early church names as an apostle, one of the first apostles sent to the Gentiles, right? Because she told her whole town and they came to faith. They're the women at the tomb that discovered the body of Jesus was gone and that saw him resurrected. The gospel is full of women and they consistently have a high place demonstrating all the gifts. In, in the 16th chapter of Romans, there are 10 references to women. There's 10 women there. Okay, and that, and they're labeled as deacons. Like, oh, this is the deacon Phoebe. Oh, this is the Apostle Junia. Like, okay, they're, they're there and they're named. But it's just easy just to skip past that part because it's a list of names. Who wants to pay attention to that? <laughs> right? But those names matter because those names are people with identities. In Colossians chapter 4, um, we discover that a woman leads a house church. Actually, And I shared a, a sermon about this last year when we went through Colossians. And you can find it online if you're interested. But Colossians chapter 4. Women as followers and leaders are mentioned all over the place. But we don't know how to look. One, I think sometimes we're just scared to look because we're scared we're not going to find them. Um, but they're there and they're labeled and they're named. And that's why we're studying this topic because we know, need the church to be strong, right? And if we ignore the giftings that God's given to the people of the church, we're going to be weak. And so I, I pray that more women step into leadership roles. I pray for more men to step into leadership roles. Um, because this is the truth. So many of us have stories or know stories of people that have not been allowed to exercise their gifts. 
that have been called for certain purposes and then been told no. And it's not just gender, right? It's been because of race, right? And there are other things too. Sometimes it's because of age. There are all sorts of reasons to disqualify people and for, to make people feel like they're left out and like they don't count, like their voice is not important, right? Like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how often I hear, you know, like, oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm just not educated. I, I don't know that. But I'm like, man, your faith is moving mountains. Don't you see? God needs all of these voices. And sometimes I think we worry, you know, why is the church so weak? It's because we're scared. We're scared to let our gifts be released. We're scared to demonstrate the things that God's put into our hearts and to exercise those gifts. And part of us, like, we don't even know what they are because we're hiding from them. And so we need to tell one another. And this is something I say all the time. Your spiritual gifts are not for you. They're for the people around you. Right? They're for the building up of the whole church. They're not to make yourself feel more important. So you need to be, as, as members of the body of Christ, we need to be looking at one another and saying, man, you have a gift of worship. Thank you. Thank you for coming to our church and using your gift of worship right, to bless us. Right? We need to be going to people and saying, like, man, I'm talking to my wife because she just cuts through the bull and like, lays me to the bear all the time, and I need that right? Thank you for that gift, Alyssa. <laughs> I need that. I say thank you now from the pulpit. Later I'll be, when you do it, I'll get mad. But a uh, couple days later, I always turn around <laughs> um, after I pray. Um, but we need that, right? We need that gifting. We need iron to sharpen iron. We need to be corrected. We need to be emboldened. We need to be strengthened. I need to say, yes, I know, I'm pointing to you again, yeah. Like, I, I heard that you wrote a song, you went to a worship camp, and you won't sing it to me. So, <laughs> but I want to hear it, because there are giftings that we've been given, and we need to receive it, right? The church is the place where people are given gifts, and people are to receive those gifts. We need to receive them as well, right? We need to do both. And that's the whole point of this series. Next week, we're going to talk about the whatabouts. Like, well, what about this? Well, what about that? Because there are some whatabouts. Um, and I won't be able to cover everything. Um, I think in my last newsletter, N.T. Wright just happened to, the NT, Ask N.T. Wright podcast, like, did a thing on women in the ministry. Um, it was provincial, so I just sent out a link. So uh, feel free to listen to that. Um, but if you have any questions, too, about specific whatabouts, feel free to ask. I might not have an answer right away, but I can think about it and I can get back to you. Um, but God wants to do something. God wants to do something in our children, right? We want our young people to know that they are gifted, that they can be called, that they can exercise those gifts. And our elders, in our, in our, in our multi-ethnic congregation, right? With all of us, God's doing something. So... Let's let ourselves feel and experience those gifts. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are good, and we trust you. And I, I know that uh, sometimes this is this is sometimes things can be scary 
Lord, um, when we step out into to new ways of doing things and uh, when we try new things, but Lord, we know that you give, give women and men gifts. We know that you bless them. Lord, and we know that your blessings always get passed on. They're always uh, for more than just the recipient. They're for the people around them as well. And so, Lord, I pray. I pray, Lord, that we can um, receive the gifts of the people around us, Lord. Lord, we pray for for women, for women and, and men, anybody that has felt, Lord, like, like their gifts were denied. That the spirit within them, Lord, was shut down and told no. Lord, I pray for them, Lord, and I, and I pray for their heart. Lord, I pray for the hurt that that causes, the, the confusion in identity. Um, Lord, and I do pray, Lord, I pray that you be with those people Lord, and I pray that you remind them that they are loved, that they are valued. And their identity, Lord, is in you. And you give your spirit freely to all who come to you, Lord. And Lord, I pray healing. I pray restoration. In Christ's name, amen.